0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. As always, I'm Clark Coffee, and with me, as always, is Mr. Cullen McFader. What's going on, Cullen?
1: Hello, I'm uh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I heard you had a you had a little bit of a, a crazy day, didn't you, down in in, <laughs> in SoCal?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if I would call it crazy, but it was just annoying. I had uh, you know, it doesn't rain here very often. We'll go you know like nine, ten months with no rain. Uh, so you know all along all the while, you're thinking there's no problems with my roof, everything's fine, and then when it does finally rain once, then your your roof proves you wrong, and so <laughs> and I had just a really minor uh super minor leak uh that didn't hurt anything in the house, but I wanted to take care of it quick uh before mm-hmm. it did hurt anything, so yeah, I got to wake up bright and early this morning, forego my sleeping in uh, late on a Saturday. And uh, I had to deal with uh, contractors walking around on my roof and making a mess on my porch and, and just generally running amok. So, yes. But yeah, you know, other it. than that, you know, other than that, everything's okay. I'm nice. happy to, to mm. be recording our 62nd episode, yeah. uh, mm. and, which, uh, which is going to be a discussion of your pick, which I was pretty surprised about, A Bridge Too Far from 1977. Hmm. and apparently this is like one of your favorite films from childhood which yes oh, yeah this was a huge which, um
1: consider- huge movie for me when i was a kid
0: which i'm like amazed by man because i mean i mean this would even be old for me right i mean what i get it's like i i was born in 76 so i would have been a year old and i get there are a lot of 70s films that i i grew up on because of course they were you know years later played on tv and films like rocky and and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff were huge for me and but I'm surprised that a film from seventy seven would be on your list of big movies as a child. Um so tell me about that, dude. Like, yeah, I mean I'll, I'll
1: I'll tell the story, I'll, yeah, I'll regale tell us the, story. You with the tale. Tell um, us the tale. So I remember being and this is actually kind of funny because we did Butch Casty a while ago. I think it was, and probably that was a in big the film thirties. Yeah. So it was yeah, that's like that's like Butch Casty's my favorite movie of all time probably okay, yeah, in terms I mean, of just movies that i could watch endlessly yeah um and so that was probably we probably did that episode about it over a year ago now at least um yeah wow and it's been that um, long huh i remember i i have like this very distinct memory of i was probably only six years old i, was, I think i was in grade one of walking into my dad's office um like his his home that at home his little home, home office and um on his chair there was like this Pile of, um, I think they were VHS. I don't think they were DVDs. I think they were VHS. But he would just gone out and bought these, these movies, and it was yeah. They'd probably be um,
0: VHS. I mean, if you're well, yeah, what that year would this been, have been? This what would have placed, placed this. Place this for two thousand
1: three. Two thousand three. oh it could have been DVD. Yeah, that it could have been. would have been early sure. in the kind yeah. of yeah. I th- but I seem to remember they were VHS because um, yeah. I remember watching them in the basement, and I don't think we had a DVD player down there that early. Um. But I, so I remember, and so on the top of the pile was Butch casting the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle of the pile was uh, The Dirty Dozen. Oh, wow. Which was another movie that I, you know, I enjoyed. I haven't seen that in ages, but I remember. I saw that recently, actually. I oh, saw really? that just a few yeah. months
0: ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: another World War II. Uh, yep. A little bit more silly than this. Yep. And, um, and then on the bottom was A Bridge Too Far.
0: Now that that had to have been like four VHS tapes, right? I mean, yeah, it was a big, (laughs) I remember it
1: was a big pile, but he had gone, I can't remember where he, he probably got them, I don't know, some local store or something. Um, But I just remember like looking at them with my brother and um, I had no idea. I thought Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was some kid's movie because I thought the Sundance Kid was actually a a child. Like like an actual Um, child. Yeah, yeah, and so I was like, I don't really want to watch that. And I was always like ever since, you know, Probably since I was born, I had was obsessed with the Second World War. Um, like it was uh-huh. like my favorite, always my favorite era of, of history. And yeah, um, you know, I played every World War Two video game I could get my hands on as a kid. I was always out, and you know, I lived quite close to like a big forest, and was always out there with my friends. You know, with now army. To digress just on. for a second, yeah, sure. Do yeah. you re- do you remember? So I because I feel like that this would have
0: been about that era. So speaking of like World War Two video games. What was the one? Was it like Call of Duty or something where they replicated the Saving Private Ryan? Oh, yeah. TV? So I was actually going to mention that. Yeah. So oh, okay. Me, um, yeah.
1: Medal of Honor oh, um, okay. was a franchise that after Saving Private Ryan, Spielberg created. Like he actually developed this video game. Of course, he didn't oh, really? actually code it, but he was the lead creative on, on I had no idea. Of that. Honor. And those were my, again, my favorite games as a kid. What's interesting about Medal of Honor is that, so yeah, it opens the opening of like. My favorite one was Medal of Honor Frontline, um, okay. which I had, I think, on GameCube, and that the opening of that is like a shot for shot, basically, of um, Saving Private Ryan, except of course you're playing it. Um, but then it actually Medal I of Honor goes that. into you go into the Netherlands, and like one of the the levels of the game is called Several Bridges Too Far, and it's like no. all of this stuff that's that's all about Operation Market Garden, and you're oh, fighting wow. in the exact locations from this movie, and it, there's a ton of references to the movie, so. Oh, you so that to was have another way that. like every just in and out this movie was um in my childhood like I remember watching it and just loving it which again this is a you know a three hour movie and I yeah. used to force all of my friends at every sleepover to watch it and they all liked it too somehow um and uh I would, you know, again, like the theme song, I would have the theme song playing constantly and used it in all of my movies. um, And that's awesome. Like I always, you know, I was just so into the Second World War. um, And I still am. Like I still am deeply fascinated by studying that. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, too.
0: Yeah, I am too. And I, you know, just uh, earlier this year, my wife and I spent three weeks in France and mm -hmm. she very generously and graciously Allowed me to totally indulge my World War Two like fantasy of of mm-hmm. being at the Normandy beaches, and so I I spent three or four days. You just like gave me to to absorb all I could in France, World War Two related, before we moved yeah. on to do other and things. That's but, um, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I so you know I I mean I was so when I was watching it, you know, for the first time ever, I'd never seen it before. I'm watching it last night in preparation for this, and you know in some ways i could see like how this film would appeal to a young kid right especially to a young boy it's like there's some huge set pieces and i mean you know and we'll get into more of this later but there's a lot of action and you know i i could totally see myself you know and it's well done i could totally see myself be you know loving that right there's a lot of real planes and tanks and soldiers and battles and explosions and i'm like i totally could get it But I am still kind of surprised that because there's a lot of the film where that's not what's going on. Mm -hmm. We have, Mm -hmm. we follow a large number, number of characters. Um, you know, there's a lot of, it's a huge ensemble cast and there's a lot of scenes that I, I would be surprised that a young kid would, would find interesting. So I'm kind of curious, like if you could maybe try to kind of like, like, I get that you love World War II and, and I totally get the action stuff, but what do you think it was about this film that really stuck out to you? Like,
1: yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I think it's kind of two things. One is that true to life, the movie primarily takes place on like bright, sunny days in just these meadows and Mm -hmm. like these, those kind of European hedgerows and things like that. And, um, that was somewhere that you know i didn't grow up in the countryside but mm-hmm. um where i grew up there was a lot of nature and things like that and again meadows and marshes and stuff like that and so i think just the setting of the film reminded me a lot of where i grew up and so it just kind of seemed mm-hmm. accessible from like an imagination standpoint that like mm-hmm. again me and my friends could watch this get some like toy guns and go out and and recreate you know the moments and things like that yeah um and i think it's also just in in scale is very grand you know it's all like it is real planes these are real you know people jumping out of planes and yeah the spitfires are real the tanks are real um you know so it feels i think very much like any you know as a kid you just watch these things and the first thing you want to do is go build like a, a cardboard city and put a camera down beside it and, and, you know, drive a toy tank through it and make it look like the city's coming down. So yeah, there's just that kind of, and then sort of a more personal connection, I suppose, um, is that my, my great uncle, my Nana's brother, um, he fought in D-Day, um, and like landed on, on June 6th and all that in Normandy. And then, um, he was, um, the Canadian forces were kind of tasked with Primarily liberating the Netherlands, mm-hmm. um, and so they weren't actually involved in Market Garden um, mm-hmm. because Market Garden was kind of a separate task. We the Canadians were more near the coast. Um, the Battle of the Scheldt was a big battle that um, they were involved in, and so yeah. he was fighting in the Netherlands um, pretty much at the time that this movie would be taking place. Again, not at Market Garden. Um, so I think it was just also this like hearing his stories as a kid, um, and you know talking to him and my nana and and. Kind of, kind of made it real like, yeah exactly and so there was this really whereas i see something you know saving private ryan was also a big movie when i was a kid but i think that that to me was a little bit it was saving private ryan's a lot smaller in scale in terms of just that it's about like kind of one group of guys going through yeah. the countryside yeah. um and it's it's more dramatic it's less sort of exciting in like a in a fun movie way than than this is Um, so I think that that was the thing is that there's just these, this movie's, I, I was actually relatively concerned to rewatch this because it has been at least a decade since I've seen it. Um, probably over 15 years since I've seen it. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um,
0: so. So how did, how did you find the film now then? Like as an So adult. that's what I mean.
1: And so I remember yeah. like I I loved it as a kid and I, I, and when I suggested it, I think the reason I suggested it was just because I was so curious to rewatch it. um And, but I kind of, again, I was nervous. I was like going into it and I was like, what if it's bad? You know, what if it's like not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you know, like it, it wasn't that critically successful and, and, and yeah. um, it's not a very popular movie. There's, there's definitely, it's overshadowed by a lot of other war movies Um, but I was, I was really, really pleasantly surprised at at how much I enjoyed it and how like actually genuinely good in terms of just actual quality. Um, I found it like I was, I was, I expected if anything to more like it just because of the nostalgia. Yeah. Um, but But you actually, you feel like I held up the set pieces, the performances, um, you know, there's things that are, again, a little bit sillier about it. Like the fact that every single person you see is some huge name from the 70s like you name an actor that <laughs> yeah. was in the 70s and and around her it's kind of crazy they're in this you know and, yeah and you think that you've seen them all like it's like james conn anthony hopkins michael Caine, um you know laurence olivier and you go just go down the list and then yeah. suddenly like three quarters of the movie robert redford shows up and you're like i, I know what was he and you're just like um, what so yeah it's and sean connery i mean it's it's like and i was a big and james bond laurence olivier kid yeah yeah um so I think that was, I think it was just so huge in scale that it just kind of like sucked me in it. And, and I actually, not to digress too much, but I, I went, um, when I was in the Netherlands, I, I made a, a very big point of visiting Arnhem. Yeah. and seeing the bridge and all that. And so none of this movie is actually shot in Arnhem um, just because Arnhem was flattened during the war. So it's all primarily more modern architecture than it would be. So they shot in nearby towns that actually look very, very stunningly similar to Arnhem. Um, you know, if I didn't know that they didn't shoot it there, I would have thought that they did. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, and then I biked from Arnhem to Oosterbeek, which is where the British headquarters were during the battle, that little house. Um, and it's, it's funny because every time I've met a Dutch person and I even just on the trip that I did this summer when I went around the world and, you know, I met a fair amount of of people from the Netherlands and every time I met them and they sort of said, oh, you've been to the Netherlands, like where have you been? And I I would mention Arnhem and every one of them would be like, why the hell did you go to Arnhem? (laughs) Like, it would be like, you know, going to New York and then taking an hour bus ride to like, you know, Albuquerque or or (laughs) not Albuquerque, uh, Albany or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So but it's it's a beautiful place. I mean, if you ever are in the Netherlands, I highly recommend going not just for the history, but it's also a, a really really beautiful part of the yeah. countryside. Um but no, it's so like really in terms of just the infusion of of like my childhood. Um this movie was was massive. Um even just hearing the theme song again was like this <laughs> takes you back. Yeah, it was it yeah. was um and it's such a fantastic theme song and I mean, let's jump in I guess to like the more specific Sure. Elements. Unless unless you I mean, what was your I I guess before we do that? What was your take when you you saw it? And what do you think?
0: Yeah, sure. So so first time I'd ever seen it. um, Honestly, I don't even actually recall ever had having even heard of the film. Shockingly, Um, it it, so never had seen it. So I checked it on, checked it out on Mm Blu-ray and uh, watched it last night and i i mean the the scope is hard to not be impressed by i mean things that you've already discussed here you know there are the number of actors that are in this film is just like mind boggling i mean it's it's you know literally just a who's who of major actors in the 70s mm-hmm. um the the scope of the of of the film you've got um this particular operation being I mean, how many different storylines or angles, as it were, are there in this film? Like twelve, yeah, at a du- least. Like, yeah. It, I mean, you've got in this entire British cast, this entire American cast. You've got this entire German cast, mm-hmm. Dutch cast. You've got Gene you know, Hackman playing a Polish guy. Hackman playing a Polish character <laughs> who sounds Québécois <laughs> with this accent that just you know. At to, to, I just want to pause though for a second. And sometimes it's just these funny things that stand out to you in the film. And I'll get back to discussing it proper. But when Gene Hackman pops on, and I I have no idea he's going to be playing a Polish character. Matter of fact, until it was mentioned Mm -hmm. explicitly in the film, (laughs) I I didn't know what he was doing with his voice. Okay, (laughs) If he was trying to do British or something. I (laughs) I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea until they actually, like, literally said, you know, called him Polish in the film. Mm -hmm. Um but, but it, to me, I, I love these moments because I look at Gene Hackman, who clearly is a wonderful actor, has had a fantastic career, mm-hmm. um, and as someone who aspired to be an actor myself, somebody who really uh, prizes good acting, and uh, to see somebody so amazing as Hackman, struggle so much oh my gosh, with an man. accent makes me feel so much better i'm <laughs> like thank you thank oh, you it's hilarious it's really good it's yeah. hilarious because because i've got to tell you i've got to tell you of all the nightmares that i of all the like anxious scenarios that might have existed when i was auditioning actively as an actor the absolute worst for me would be this i you know i, I would get an audition and i'd be thrilled Right, because it's I mean, it's rare to even get asked to audition for something, right? So the first wave of emotion would be, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I you know, I got an audition. And then I would get the sides or I'd get the breakdown, whatever information I you know would were available for that particular audition. And the instant I would find out it required an accent, I would just like go from joy of having gotten the audition to like despair knowing that i couldn't pull off a reasonable accent Mm -hmm. literally the first role i ever booked was a stage role and i had to have a spanish accent and i can't roll my r's (laughs) (laughs) so anyway it's personal to me it's personal Mm -hmm. that's the point so so watching gene do this i just i felt a, a nice like wave of like empathy washed over me. just okay.
1: affirmation. Yeah. Just
0: yeah and <laughs> yeah, and validation, okay. But back to the film. So yeah, I mean, you're just overwhelmed with the scope of it. I mean, I thought it was beautifully shot. Um obviously it's well acted. I thought it was it, this is not or it's been a while since I've kind of read up on my World War ii history, so I kind of had to reacclimate to the, you know, what's going on, what was Market Garden, what were they doing and why. But I think the, you know, the film does a really good job of of including everything from these huge set pieces. I mean, I like the the the, the paratroopers is just like it's literally like a 100 a or a couple hundred people actually jumping out of C47s. The scope mm-hmm. of that's crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um all of the World War 2 accurate hardware is pretty amazing. Um although I do have to say I think there were supposed to be some P47s in that that were clearly not. Um Yeah, they were sp- repainted.
1: The sp- uh, I think they were finished uh, Yeah. <laughs> planes or something that they use for training and they just repainted them
0: and most people probably would never notice that but yeah, the spitfires yeah. looked real but the p-47s were definitely not um mm-hmm. but, but beside the point who cares um but it you know everything from that to these these moments you know where the, at soldiers at different times have to commandeer civilians homes and to see how that uh aff- affects the the civilians the homes that are taken out from under them the you know the the just random way some people are killed and kind of the randomness of death and um the surrealness of war and the the bureaucracy that kind of is overwhelming behind a lot of this i, I think they did a good job of incorporating all of that so there mm-hmm. was the, the scope was huge from a storytelling perspective from a literal perspective um pretty impressive I mean it's a 3 hour long film. I do have to admit there were a couple moments where I kind of had to steer my focus back onto it, you know, I started mm-hmm. to, my mm-hmm. mind started to wander a little bit. But to be fair, I didn't realize it was going to be 3 hours long and I started watching it at like 10 p.m. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so by the time I was through with the film, I was like, you know, getting it's a little drowsy. Yeah. But uh, but overall, in a nutshell, I I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that I watched it.
1: Mhm. No, I think I think um it does a really good job of, like, it's not a movie that is is upfront with gore, um, no, or it's like not gory. horrific kind of you know bloodshed of war, but it's it's almost that almost works in its favor because again it kind of shows this like strange matter of factness that war probably really is like, um, and it's it's intensely critical of like bureaucracy, like the bureaucracy of these these battles where, you know it's like, we've got to cross this bridge, but we've got to wait for this traffic jam to clear up on the, you know, one road that we've commandeered so the boats can get here. And then, but those boats can't get across until we build this other bridge that was destroyed. And those supplies are coming from there. And it it does a really good job of like this logistical nightmare that was probably quite accurate to, you know, how it really was. And then again, like you said that, you know, somebody will be just in, in a house and a stray bullet will, will take them out. And um, there's not really much attention called to it. It's just kind of like okay, yeah, It's just matter of fact. Yeah, and and so it's really I think it's really fascinating in that way because when when I chose the movie, one of the things that you asked me was you know is it like an anti-war film? I think most you know most war films are are taken from an angle of of like being critical of a lot of things about war, um, but I think I think my answer was was that it's kind of almost hidden in a way like it's not explicitly anti-war and mm. like a again a horrific you know saving pride yeah. ryan people's arms being blown off and yeah it's not the like the, the war is hell um, yeah it's more yeah. just critical of just this this kind of again this like monotony of of the the business of like running a war mm. um which is really fascinating because that's not something that a lot of other war movies really get into at all um and then even again just this this idea that like you get to this very picturesque Dutch village at the beginning and how the, for the first, you know, maybe two hours, the battle is very much kind of small scale. Like they get into Mm -hmm. the city and they're kind of laughing because they're in the wrong camouflage and there's a few skirmishes on the bridge, but you know, and then suddenly when the Germans actually launch a counteroffensive, it's like this town is destroyed and all these civilians that we've gotten to know through the movie are are who aren't really necessarily directly related to anything that's going on with the soldiers but you just see that like you know they're dying and they're building roadblocks out of the bodies and you know all these things one of the things that yeah
0: i i mean i i want to jump in because you're you know you've kind of sparked reminded me of something that you know a few things that really stood out you know so the the film is i mean there's it's almost like you could say these vignettes that are kind of connected you know mm-hmm. because they're because we're jumping back and forth you know from so many different perspectives and so many different angles and and there's such a large cast i almost feel like it's a series of vignettes in a, in a little bit of a way but you know some things that really stand out i mean like uh like the home that is like a Commandeered, you know, the Dutch home that's like right at the like the mouth of the bridge or whatever, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and one side of the bridge, and and we, it's almost like they use that home, and it's continual degradation, like it's it's physical degradation as it's attacked and it's Mm -hmm. as it you know is being hit and um, catches fire and, and you you know so you see like this, it's like an interesting barometer of the degradation of the entire area. And then the couple that lives in it and mm-hmm. how they're like, you know, kind of losing their minds, being surrounded by all this violence and having their home taken away from them to the point where, you know, the woman kind of like loses her mind, the civilian yeah. woman and, and goes outside to like hail a taxi when there's like, not only is there no taxi, I mean, the town is completely evacuated, it's destroyed, evacuated, <laughs> yeah. it's destroyed yeah. and she's shot, you know, yeah. um, it just, you know, or, um... I thought it was really touching in the beginning. They set up that, you know, that civilian family with that young boy. Mm-hmm, who, that are kind of like a
1: resi- they're acting in a resistance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. in a little bit of a sense that he, you know, is kind of going out on his bicycle and, you know, telling the German guard that he's going to see his girlfriend when he's actually kind of taking notes of, you know, the insignias on, on the materiel and kind of taking note of who's there and whatnot and, mm-hmm. and how many German soldiers are there. And he kind of comes back to report to his father and how, a little bit into the film, he's killed. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's it's so matter of fact, you know, and, and I really appreciate how it's not this, like, like in so many movies you'd have, like, this, you'd zoom in on him, you know, you'd have this, like, close-up shot, and he'd be, like, slowly dying in his father's arms, and we'd have this, like, music swell, and, you know what I mean? it would like, really play it up. Mm-hmm. But in the scene, I mean, his father picks him up and, like, puts him on the cart with the, or the pile of the other bodies.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, not that his father isn't devastated. I mean, it's like his father is actually so devastated that this, like, what else can you do? And there's this war going on, you know, mm-hmm. and there's all these people dying, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but there were a lot of little things like that. I think like the scene where the soldier, like the, there's like an airdrop, right? And a plane drops like this big steel canister yeah um, and the know,
1: supplies are all going too far. They're um, going too far over yeah.
0: right and And so there's like a this like cylinder this uh cylinder, this like steel cylinder is dropped, you know whatever it is, like a hundred yards or something away from where it was supposed to have been. So like this young, strong soldier just kind of decides to take it upon himself to run out there and grab it, right? Well, there's snipers all over the place mm-hmm. so at first, all of his buddies are like, Oh my God, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're gonna get shot, you're gonna get killed. This is nuts' But he like runs out there and he grabs this huge thing. And it's like, can he even lift it? And he actually Mm -hmm. is able to lift it. And he's actually running back with it. And then, you know, all of the warnings from his fellow soldiers turn into cheers. Like, come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it. It's like Mm -hmm. you feel this like swell, you know, of excitement and like support. And then he's just shot down. Yeah yeah and it's and it's just like this. and it's a canister, thing. yeah and, and right, and he drops the canister, and it's just berets, it's just filled yeah. with hats, it's literally just filled with hats mm-hmm. so meaningless, you know this this kid died for nothing, which of course is a huge part of what war unfortunately is. It's a lot mm-hmm. of people dying usually for not much, no, um I,
1: but I just want to add too that that one of the interesting things about um Going there as well in person is that in the um, house that the British used as their um, headquarters, that's actually a museum now. Hmm. And what they did there in is in real life, out, the house, yeah, in, in real life, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in the basement, they like cleared out this massive they must have excavated a, a large area because I doubt the house was built with a basement. But you go underground and they've actually recreated the streets of Arnhem as they would have been during the battle um, mm-hmm. with like authentic, like the buildings that you can walk by now and the bridge and things like that. And, and with, you know, spe- smoke going off and sound mm-hmm. effects. And, and so it's actually quite interesting to um, in, in, you just reminded me of, of, of that in the, uh, when, when you were talking about how like you're, you know, just this seeing this degradation of this house and things like that. And it's quite fascinating to see it there, but, um, but yeah, I, I also just, Want to add too about the the way that it's matter of fact as well is that it's not. There's nothing particularly, and I'm not saying this in a negative sense, but there's nothing particularly that that calls to itself about like the way that the camera is used or, mm. um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like there's these crazy sophisticated shots Mm-mm. that are like you know, wonners moving through the battle and it's like how the hell yeah. do they do that? The, yeah, it, it's quite restrained in the way that it's uh, shot and. Yeah. I think that really works in its favor because, um, it doesn't feel so formalistic, like perhaps a movie from, you know, 10 years earlier would, um, right. you know, like a big war epic in the sixties where they can kind of almost just feel like musicals, even if they're not musicals in a way like mm. they're just so grand and choreographed and, yeah. um, very clearly most often shot in like studios. Um, right, right. And yet this is, is quite formalistic in its style in terms of the way that it's, it's not, it's certainly not, um, you know, like abstract. Um, and yet it really, again, it works in its favor because it is kind of this exploration of, of, like you said, this, this, you know, just the guy goes out and gets shot for hats, right? Like it's, it's, it's meaningless. Um, yeah. And but at the same time, it's not this overly dramatized. Like after that happens, after the guy gets shot and it drops just the cuts. thing, and it opens, they just yeah, it just cut. it it just shows kind of like not even horror Barely or like sadness. It's just they all, all the guys Barely. that were watching them just kind of die down, or like yeah. oh, like dang. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it just goes on yeah. to
0: the next thing. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. goes on to the next thing. I mean, you're right. It's you know the the camera doesn't draw attention to itself but mm-hmm. the composition does yes. in my opinion not, not yeah. in a bad way i don't mean in a bad way i mean that it's i think it's really well composed and generally yeah. really well shot
1: and blocking um, the, I, the even just that moment when the guy's walking onto the bridge with the umbrella mm-hmm. and it kind of pulls back from him and reveals the the other soldiers you know coming up alongside of him yeah, um, like things like that that are but it's very subtle and it's it's, you know, execution and yet so masterful in, in the like the way that it's crafted.
0: Yeah, um, it's almost kind of got this like, you know, it's there's definitely kind of this 70s kind of dewy kind of glowy kind of soft, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing going on with a lot of it, which, uh, you know, I wouldn't have I, I would have expected maybe a little grittier. But in mm-hmm. uh, its cinematography, not to say that the film itself doesn't have grit in it, but I just mean, you know, there's you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a little bloom. There's a little softness. Yeah, there's, there's a definitely little, some filters on the camera. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and which I which I wouldn't immediately um, uh, it wouldn't immediately jump to me that that would have been a visual style uh, mm-hmm. to go yeah. with for a film uh, with this topic. But but it it I think they it works. Um But there's definitely some moments where it kind of gives it this dreamy kind of quality. Now, Mm -hmm. maybe that has to do more with kind of how style has changed in film. And that might not have been the impression it would have given a contemporary audience watching this film. Um, But for me watching it now in 2022, that's a little bit of the feel that it gives me. But overall, um, I I feel like it really was a visually impressive you know, it, it's there's a there's a lot for the eyes to look at. It's it's enjoyable. You know, it's visually interesting and enjoyable film to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and there's um, a lot of
1: there's a lot of to me, like iconic moments and perhaps just because it was such a big movie in my childhood. But just yeah. where, like what stands out? Like, like, so, like So there's there's these moments that the movie gets very specific and intimate. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like when they mm. commandeer the, the house um, that Liv Ullman lives in with Laurence Olivier. And, and they turn it into um, the like the and it's like a hospital the, but the the, yeah, the, hospital. the way that that scene opens is they basically ask her if they can use her house and she sort of you know hesitantly agrees because she, cause she yeah. does want to help them but she realizes that this is going to destroy you know she's now entering the war essentially right yeah. um but what we see is that you know they come in and then we kind of in one shot just pan uh, over to these kids and kind of track over these kids playing with a toy train And then you just see like a a soldier's boot step kind of on the track and the toy train goes over and then just blood dribbles down on the carpet and then it just cuts away and it's very subtle Mm. and it's, it, it's kind of just like, it's this pristine white carpet. These kids are playing and then suddenly, you know, the war is here and has entered the home. And, and so that, or when, you know, when, um, Gene Hackman and, and the, the exiled kind of Polish fighters that had gone to britain and fled to britain when poland was invaded finally get their chance to join the battle because they're delayed and getting there by i think like a matter of almost eight days or something yeah um, and the operation was supposed to last only three or four um and they finally arrive and they're pulling the soldiers across the river on this, these like this series of ropes and boats that are all connected. Like pulley system to
0: pull themselves over. Yeah.
1: And then without any music or anything, and in a very, again, matter of fact way, a a flare goes up, you hear machine guns, you see some guys get shot in the boats, and then Hackman just looks down at the water and there's just one body that's kind of wading in ashore. that's, you know, dead of course. And he's Mm -hmm. just right in the surf. And, um, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but, um, right. Just on the edge of the water. Yeah. It just, it just kind of hits and then it cuts to another scene. And it's like, there's all these moments that where, you know, while it's such a grand, you know, and epic in, in the old sense of the word and, um, you know, huge movie with all these crazy, you know, know, who's who of, of cast and these massive set pieces with real tanks and real Military equipment and all that—it um, does get it very intimate at, yeah. at these moments that need to hit. Um, and I think that that's very. And maybe I actually I've never read the script, um, so I don't know. But Goldman, William Goldman, wrote it. Who right. also wrote Butch Cassidy, oh, and so he does great, a really—he yeah. has a really really great. Um, Skill And so I'm going to assume that it was quite accurate to his script because, or at least those things were, because in Butch Cassidy, one of the things that I mentioned in that episode was that there's the moment where the movie's quite lighthearted throughout, and then when they kill the banditos, and it's the first time that Butch Cassidy has shot anybody and killed anybody, and suddenly the movie just gets this, has this, like, very, very dour tone for for a moment and it's very again very intense for just a scene that and it doesn't feel out of place so goldman i think is very good at writing things like that and they're all over this movie um and you know it's one of those things again that just is very impressive to me and you know at the the end of the day as well what i think differentiates this from a lot of other war movies is that they're ultimately not really successful you know there's kind of the the again bureaucratic moment at the end where he's like, well, the mission was, you know, 90% of success, 90% but it, it wasn't, you know, yeah. they, most, they had heavy, heavy losses. They completely underestimated the German position. Um, you know, they had to retreat, they had to pull out of, of where they were trying to hold. Um, yeah. and so it does, I think ultimately criticize a lot of these, these elements that aren't usually really touched upon, especially yeah. back in, in that era of, uh, film well, i think it's like like big. in the 60s
0: yeah. you would have like you know 50s 60s at least in the united states you'd have films generally that you know of course were super patriotic and they mm-hmm. would praise you know the the uh, all you know there wouldn't be any criticism hardly at all of of the war right then you get into the 70s and you know of course you know the the new Hollywood, right mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. I mean, you hardly had like a happy ending in any story in the seventies, you know, in American cinema. And so you do. Now, this is of course a British film, though. But I just mm-hmm. mean kind of the zeitgeist of film in general, where you could have antiheroes, you could have, uh, you know, kind of cynical stories, you could have failure, you know, quote unquote, resolution. unhappy endings. You yeah. could ha- be critical of governments and critical of war and you know, you've got Vietnam happening here. And of course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, that impacted the world, you know, not just the United States. And you, you've got a lot of criticism about, uh, these things that didn't exist culturally or in cinema. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this film isn't as, as like directly or explicitly critical, like a lot of films would be. Um, Especially later, that were just Mm -hmm. outright full on, you know, explicitly critical of war and, yeah, like a thin red line or something, yeah, or platoon, Platoon, you know. Um, so it's not that, but it definitely, um, but you don't have to read between the lines much either Mm -hmm. to, to really see that they're kind of, uh, you know, they're picking apart the bureaucracy, the senseless death that occurs, and kind of the randomness that death can occur um the and just how the death can be really meaningless frankly mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. war so much of it and i think they 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 definitely that's a big part of this film
1: yeah and i think even just the ending like you know, the final shot of of you know it doesn't end on a field of of graves it doesn't end right. on a you know return to belgium where the allies have their kind of foothold in northern europe and and you know they're all like the troops are like well we're gonna go back out and get it no it ends with this dutch family leaving their house and walking along this kind of tattered road with smoke and rubble around them yeah and it just kind of you know ends like that and it's funny too because when we did alien a few episodes ago um Mm -hmm. i said that if there was ever a friend like if someone you know was like here's 50 million dollars and you get to make any franchise movie you want what franchise would you choose i would choose aliens said, yeah if somebody said here's 50 million dollars and but you have to remake a movie Ooh. and update it for modern like you know uh, modern times and you have to make yeah it to, you know technology day it would absolutely be this and i wouldn't not in a sense that i believe that this movie needs a remake by no means but i think that it would be such a it's such a fascinating um Boy, there'd you know, be a
0: lot of CGI if you made it today for I know, fifty that's million the thing, dollars, right? You'd have to have, you'd have, yeah,
1: for fifty million, absolutely. You wouldn't get the cast back, and, either. and
0: what cast? Yeah, I mean, you you might get like but,
1: two actors. In yeah, scre- yeah. <laughs> I'd get George Clooney, and that's it. Yeah, but, yeah, um but just the the idea, like Market Garden, has always been something that's really uh, one of my, you know, I think in terms of the Western front of the European theater in World War II, the Battle of the Bulge tends to be my my favorite um, you know, moment, um, mm-hmm. which was just after this, it was, would have been December of, of 44. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, you know, the market garden has always been up there just because it was really just a prime example of like how these, these young 18 year olds are, are, are like chess pieces to, yeah. to a lot of these upper, you know, the upper strategists of the war. Yeah. Um, and that like There's the one general at the beginning of the movie who's constantly trying to, you know, warn them that there's like tanks and Rommel is there. And they're like, well, why would, um, or Model, not Rommel. Uh, Right. Correct. Field Montgomery, or Field Montgomery, Field Marshal (laughs) Model, who's a German. um, He's there and it's like, well, they're obviously, they wouldn't put him there if they didn't have, you know, a lot of troops. And they're like, no, they're just going to be a bunch of Hitler youth and old people that are going to fight us. It's going to be easy. Um, and even when faced with <clears throat> like this evidence, mounting evidence that they still kind of go ahead and, and, it's all just, yeah, it's about like, it's not about getting through with lives the as few lives lost as possible. It's just about getting through and establishing a foothold and, and, you know, yeah, and so, and they really kind of drive that point home. Um, or just <clears> how big <throat> of a machine
0: war is, you know, just how yeah, yeah it's like a big you know it, it yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just it's just this huge machine, and oftentimes sadly, you know, i mean it's this it, the machine grinds up you know young men and mm-hmm. and now women, but uh yeah and and the impact it has on civilians, and um i mean i I, you know, when it, when the film first started for a second, I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of one of those, you know, films that's really about the glory and the, you know, and the action mm-hmm. of war. And so I was surprised to see that there was much more than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because kind yeah, of I, like I, it's marketing, you know, I kind of like I, I, you know, see the 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 poster and, you know. I'm like, oh, I look at all these people, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be like kind of a John Wayney kind of action yes. war yeah. movie, you know, is kind yeah. of what I was thinking. And there is definitely a lot of action, mm-hmm. um, but it is more. Um, yeah, and
1: I, I do. We've kind of been doing this throughout, but I, I do also want to, like, just for a moment, also sort of like again compare it to. There's kind of this spectrum of of like war movies from like again on the far end, I'd say like the Thin Red Line. Which mm-hmm. is barely even a war film. It's, it's or apocalypse it's now. More of a yeah, or apocalypse now, where it's like it's using the setting of war to say something much grander about you know humanity and, and life right. and things like that. Um, and then on the complete opposite end, you get something you know like say like the longest day. Um, yeah. You know where it's 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 very again full of like glory and and like sacrifice and and patriotism. Yeah. Um. And then you know of course there's like the modern trend of the Saving Private Ryan's with the shaky cam and things like that and <laughs> yeah. I, I like Saving Private Ryan. It's not... I, no, I do too. I do so, too. But it is, it did start this trend, right? But here's
0: it, it one, like here's an even real. newer one, like a film like Midway. Yes, I don't know if Midway, you've seen Midway, that Midway, but yeah. that that's not that long ago. This is 2019 and I mean, it's like a full-on Disney War movie. tons of like even, CG and yeah, it, as CG and like Pearl Harbor
1: didn't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah,
0: those are the films that are on the the far side of, and I think al- I honestly, almost like glamorizing war. It's I, like
1: I honestly expected it same same as you. I expected it to be like that. Yeah, I hadn't seen it in so long, right? Like yeah. I, I expected to sit down and watch this and be like, because I honestly I remembered the plot and I remembered a lot of things about it, but I just didn't mm. really remember the movie as a whole. Um. And so I was, I was really pleasantly surprised to see that it it wasn't that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's this very interesting. Like I would say, for people who haven't seen it who are listening, I, I honestly is in, in sort of feeling and mood and tone. It's it's oddly similar to to um, Dunkirk in a way, mm. where where Dunkirk mm. is another yeah. one of those movies that is not doesn't really glorify anything about war and it's very matter of fact and death is dealt in a very matter of fact way but there's not a lot of gore um right it's very massive in scale there's like these real plane battles and battleships and it's not a lot of cg um and so i'd say that if if you if you enjoy dunkirk perhaps i would i would recommend checking this out because this is not in you know it's Dunkirk doesn't have an all-star cast of a million and one celebrities. <laughs> um, but I would say that it's, but it's got it's, a few in tonally. It's kind of got the same like thesis as Dunkirk of just this kind of like bureaucratic wastefulness of, of cause of course Dunkirk was also somewhat of a similar operation in, in a way of just this like massive mobilization to get a bunch of people out of a situation that they'd accidentally got themselves in. Um, Hey, I mean, so, hey, let's not forget, though, let's not forget, Harry Styles is in Dunkirk. That's true. That's a good point. Yes. I mean, come we had on. the One Direction you, the, uh, representation there. I mean, like, isn't that all the star power you need? Yeah. I heard that when Christopher <laughs> Nolan was casting that he didn't even know that Harry Styles was, like, famous at all. <laughs> I don't even, I didn't, I don't think I knew who Harry Style was, yeah. Styles was in I, I 2017.
0: Yeah, I barely did. It's just... Not my, I will say, though, not to digress too far, but that is N- Nolan's best film.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. I I actually, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I like Nolan. I I'm not appreciate a huge a Nolan filmmaker, fan. but I Exactly, I'm not, I don't really love I any appre- of his movies. I
0: appreciate him.
1: Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. him. You know, obviously,
0: he's passionate about filmmaking. And, um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I'm, I will always welcome, I mean, into the, I mean, <laughs> the community he makes you know all kinds of different people right and Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know he's clearly passionate uh, about filmmaking and he i think's given a lot of visibility to cinema and um so that's wonderful yeah but yeah Yeah. i i I, a lot of his yeah a lot of his films i'm not super crazy about but this film was great and i think Mm -hmm. your your comparison uh to these two films is an interesting one um because this you know dunkirk is kind of the same situation it's it's picking one kind of specific, uh, you know, uh, moment of a a larger war. So this is like the evacuation of Dunkirk, Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, in in, uh, Bridge Too Far. It's specifically the Operation Market Garden. And taking one of those elements and kind of, you know, looking at it from all of these different perspectives. Mm -hmm. There are many Mm -hmm. more perspectives in Bridge Too Far because we're looking at it from multiple different, you know, armies and, you know, even you know, sides, all yeah. the, but but Dunkirk still has a little bit of that. You know, we're looking at it from these different soldiers' perspectives. We're seeing kind of this, the same moments go by from all of these different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a really good, uh, it's a good comparison. And I think you're right. I mean, I think if anybody had seen Dunkirk and you liked it at all, uh, you there's probably a good chance that you would like Bridge Too Far.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and it, d-
0: it, I wish that they had, you know, it's sometimes it's sometimes it's a little bit heartbreaking. I wish that there were more care given to these films um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in their in their, you know, taking them to modern media or restorations and pseudo modern media. Blu-ray is not exactly modern um, as a pretty old. I mean, I think we're sitting at what like Blu-rays are like 15 years old. now, Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So it's not even brought to 4K. But yeah, you know, and I get it. I get it. There's not a lot of money to do that. But, uh, you know, the, the the copy that I had was like middling. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. Yeah, it's not um, a
1: great scan. I Same same with me. Now, um, how did
0: you see it? Did you stream it? Did you have a copy? Or? I
1: have. I My dad owns the version I would have watched. Um, so I streamed it instead. Yeah. Uh, oh, interestingly, okay. I streamed it and it was, for some reason, the German subtitles weren't working. Like in terms uh, oh. of the, like the moments oh, where the Germans were so speaking. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I just had to basically go from memory of what they're talking. And there are honestly, it was weird, weirdly, uh, easy. Did you remember? like, it came back. Yeah. Like when yeah. he's like flat in Arnhem and all that. Um, <laughs> when the, uh, when the, they refuse the surrender and all that. um, that's also, a, that's I love funny. that scene when he's like, we'd love to take you in, but we don't have the uh, the yeah. facilities to take yeah, you in yeah, surrender. yeah. And that's a great bit. Um, <laughs> but I do good. also, and I want to... And there's wanna... some humor. We haven't yeah, talked about that, humor. but this is an yeah.
0: example of that. This is an example of that. There is some humor there. So, mm-hmm. But know, it's, it's never, not... it's not
1: like gags. It's just that there's no. this kind of, you know, there's, yeah, there's these moments where, again, it it probably the same type of humor that you'd probably have in a real conflict like this, right? Where it's like... Yeah. You know, tell them to go to hell, and then they, you know, the Germans are asking the British if they want to surrender, and then the British respond by saying that they can't really accept the Germans' surrender at this time. So,
0: <laughs> so things like yeah. that are,
1: are really, and I think that that's one other thing that that this movie does that a lot of Ooh. war movies miss out on. Just before um, I move on to the yeah, no the next point is that um, is that it, it? It's so fast. I remember as a kid being so fascinated by the fact that you could have like one of the majors in the British army. You know, be transported to the German HQ to to have a conversation with the German general while the fighting is still going, and all these things yeah. where it's like, you know, they you just you really get a sense of the, again the the kind of odd odd bureaucracy of of yeah. war. Yeah, um, it's kind of surreal, you yeah. know. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and then they'll go back two minutes later to to killing each other, right? It's uh, <laughs> so it's 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 fascinating. But I also I want to mention the the score. Yeah, um, yeah. So John Addison, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but John Addison fought in the real. He who was the composer of the the soundtrack fought in Operation Market Garden. Okay. Um, and I love the s- score for that. Like this is one of hands down one of my favorite soundtracks to to a movie. Yeah, he was um, a
0: colonel in the Royal Field Field Sorry mm-hmm. Artillery.
1: Yeah. And um, I'm surprised that he didn't do have more of a successful career um, as a, a composer. He did, you know, Oh, I got that movies. wrong.
0: Let me correct myself. That was his father. So he came from oh, the okay. military. Was... I'm so
1: sorry to interrupt you, but I want to no, correct okay. myself
0: so that I don't have a, an erroneous piece of info here. No, his father was a colonel in the Royal Field Artillery, but you're right. So he was actually a tank officer mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and he served at the Battle of Normandy and then, um, like you said, uh, in Operation Market Garden. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, and so he, so I'm surprised, but again, this, this score is very, I think, and I never noticed this as a kid, obviously, I wasn't, you know, analyzing it, but, um, I think last night was the first time that I really noticed, um, when I was watching this, how the score begins as this kind of triumphant military march with the snare drums and the brass and all that kind of typical, but there's also this, then it gets into this kind of tinge of like melancholy. Um, and there's like even though even when it's very sweeping and big and, and kind of boisterous, there still is this like it's not it's all primarily in a major key, but there's almost this like element where it's kind of leans into a, a minor at points and kind of um, yeah, more and, and, somber.
0: And,
1: yeah, and it and even in like that main theme, it's it's very I don't know, something about this score when you listen to this theme song just fits so perfectly with the subject matter of, of the film. Um, yeah. That, you well, know, and it's, it's such it's a so catchy intriguing. tune.
0: <laughs> and, and, well, and it's, and it's so rare. I, I mean, I, I can't think of another film. I'm sure maybe it's happened before, but I can't think of it where the composer was actually present
1: for the event in real yeah.
0: life, you yeah. know, in the, and, and, and active in the real life events that the film is depicting. I yeah. mean, that's, that's got to be exceedingly rare. I would imagine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um and so i can't think of another example of that i can't either and so gosh i mean i can only fathom you know uh, as as you would be composing music to have actually lived that and to have those memories that you could draw upon Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh i mean that that's got to bring a richness to that creation of that soundtrack that just you know uh adds a different layer you know for sure um Mm That's that's pretty yeah. extraordinary, and I didn't know that when I watched the film. So I'd only really learned that in our discussions here, but that's extremely interesting. Um,
1: wow! Yeah, and, I, and it makes f- you kind of—I wonder how he, uh, if he had any like input on the film otherwise, if they mm. asked him any questions about yeah. it, or if it was just he was, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. So I wonder. And it's the other interesting thing about the movie is even with its all-star cast, it um, it didn't perform that well um so no, it, it was, kind was of it was middling. a success in europe it was it, yeah. did a, it did well in europe but north america it didn't do very well um the reviews weren't the reviews were positive but not yeah it wasn't just like kind of half and half yeah. yeah yeah um and i think i honestly think one of the reasons that may be is that it came out two months after a month after star wars uh, um, and so uh. obviously star wars had ushered in this new era of like, yeah huge spectacle science right. fiction and i wouldn't honestly be surprised if a lot of audiences were just like who cares <laughs> like who well, cares about and, this old fart war movie you know I and see, uh, yeah um, that's
0: true because the film does harken back to an older era i think of storytelling and, you know, the we're talking about, a, you know, a, a World War Two film, a film that is about something that happened in 44 specifically. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 77. And, you know, you said Star Wars was released just a couple May months of
1: 77. Yeah. So this so, I think this came out in the end of June of 77. So
0: it would have still so Star Wars would have still been tearing it up in theaters yeah. at this yeah. point cuz you know films actually I know if you're if you're for our younger audience out there films used to last longer in theaters than just like a yeah, week or two. Yeah they could be two. out for over a year. <laughs> they could actually be out and Star Wars was probably in theaters for well a, you know a year if you mm-hmm. you know count everywhere but yeah I mean Star Wars would have still been uh, probably eaten up a lot of box office at that point Definitely, yeah. so yeah. so yeah, you wouldn't have you know you might not have for, for several different reasons, you might not have as as large an audience um, perhaps for such an expensive film and and let's also too let's face it at three hour runtime you've got a lot less screenings that that can take place yeah. in a day yeah. so um, and and I might have this wrong, and maybe if you know you can help me. But wasn't this privately financed? Um, let's not... see.
1: So it was. It was produced by I... Levine. It was. So yeah, because it was. I think did United Artists. No, United Artists just bought the distribution. Yes. Yeah, so that might um, be. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause... Pro- yeah. Johnny e. Levine Productions was the production company yeah so, so I think it,
0: you know it was privately financed and so mm-hmm. you know and I don't know a, a ton about Joseph Levine to kind of you know I, I'm not sure what his production history was what films he had produced before or after this but um, or even you know where the money came from uh, for this film but um, but you know it's 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 surprising uh, that a film you know with this many stars with this much commercial potential, Mm-hmm. Um, would even be allowed to be three hours long mm-hmm. you know um, and
1: without you know not that intermissions were huge in the 70s but for longer movies it was quite common to see them even then so um i'm surprised you get yourself the... like
0: a, an old-fashioned road show showing i'm trying yes, to think yeah the last film that i saw like a road show would have been tarantino's hateful eight yeah um yeah. i went to go see that um i in saw 70. that in right. 70 millimeter yeah. actually projected in film and we had mm-hmm. they had a road show and it was really fun that was cool with the um, the
1: overture and all that yeah. yeah yeah i love
0: that i miss i love like you know it's like you kind of set the mood you have like a brief overture you're kind of like let the music wash over you
1: and it feels more like of, an event right yeah and yeah. you're getting
0: excited like you you know your imagination starts to run wild like what's you know what's how's it gonna open what's the story you know it's like I I love that. I love like it it helps with the immersion, and, you know, cuz let's be honest, it's like you need a palate cleanser after all these commercials and the stupid trivia shows that they have at theaters now, yes. and, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. all this crap and it's like, you know, you've got the like talking heads that are you know, interviewing remember, you about know, the
1: next big Disney yeah. film or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, "Hey, let's, you know, let's talk about, you know, whatever Frozen 5 and, you know, It's all this like super markety, super pitchy stuff, Mm -hmm. and then you know if you're going in to watch like this somber war movie or something, you know, and it just cuts right into it. It's like I feel like you need a palate. You need to see, yeah. You
1: need to get in the mood, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's that's the shame about this movie is that you know I love it a lot. um, Yeah. And I would love to see a restoration of it. um, Yeah, I'd uh, love to
0: see a good restoration. I think it's ripe. I think it would be ripe for a high quality you know, restoration, a 4k release, you know, even yeah. if they didn't do a physical media, they could do it justice for streaming. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. They'd likely and, would. You
1: know, I mean, it's not the most famous movie in the world, even though there's a million stars in it. Um, I Um
0: and, and I'm, you know, like I said, I mean, and here I am, I, I had never seen it and mm-hmm. I, I may have heard of it and I just am not remembering, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even recall really having heard much about this film at all. So it, you know, there you go. Um, You know, uh, yeah. but it's you know, I I don't control these things. If I did, if I could wave a magic wand, <laughs> yes, yeah. Which exactly. is, I'm not saying that it looked horrible, I'm not saying it looked horrible, but
1: well, the, but, the that glowy, sort of like hazy, very 60s, 70s look that was applied to a lot of movies back then, yeah, does not look good in less like subpar resolution because yeah. it winds up just kind of muddying the image. Whereas I'm sure projected on film, it looks incredible, yeah, um, but but that. Kind of softer look is always—it's always, yeah. always going to look rougher in in a uh, you know less well done transfer.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we didn't talk about this, but but I, I kind of want to bring it up because it was one mm. of the things that stood out to me. Now, it it won a handful of of BAFTAs. It didn't win any awards here in the United States, but it won a handful of BAFTAs, and one one of the BAFTAs it won was for sound design. Mm-hmm. Now, it's fun for me, and I was just like talking to my wife like a few days ago, and I was kind of explaining why I so much love watching older films and I was kind of thinking about it and I was explaining it to her and you know kind of my articulation of that in part, in part it's that I think they made better <laughs> they made better films back then but <laughs> but also i it, it's like the closest that we've got to time travel mm-hmm. now, in a couple different ways um you know if if you're a cinephile, if you love cinema. One of the ways that it's kind of like time travel is that you can go back and you can you can look at the state of the art as it was when it you know, so in this case in seventy seven mm-hmm. So you're going back and you can see like what was the grammar of film like? what was you know, how were they using technology to tell stories and 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 there if you really watch these older films, You'll notice that there are some pretty significant differences in expectations that modern audiences have for the stories that they're told and how they're told, as opposed to in the '70s, for example. It's also interesting too because you just—it's you get—it's like time travel. You can go back and you can see a young Robert Redford, and you can see, you know, and it's—it's—it's like—it's just really beautiful to me. It's one of the one of the many reasons why I so love cinema. Um, But one of the things that stood out to me in a funny way. About this film was its was were aspects of its sound design. Mm-hmm. I thought was especially interesting because this actually you know was noted uh, and honored for its sound design. And you'd said that this that you noticed it too. It's like you'll have these these really wide you know the camera will be really wide and we'll be seeing this like entire you know battlefield battle going on and this large scale and scope and there are many soldiers fighting and then all of a sudden you'll hear as if the person were, like, right in your face, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a yeah. dying sound. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds, like, so, like, stock sound, you know? Like, you can so tell, like, the ADR yeah.
1: is just, like,
0: you know, it's like there was an actor standing like six inches away from a microphone, just doing Urgh. a bunch of noise. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, at least and, I, I don't think there's any use of the Wilhelm scream in this. No, I didn't so hear at least it. it nope, doesn't lose points on that. But. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> it doesn't. There's that. That's true. But and you had even mentioned too, right? There's like that scene where there's, you know, it's, help me. Yeah, help yeah. Me. That, after
1: the the crossing in the boats, and then there's just crossing this pan the... of the all the bodies on the shore of the beach and yeah but we're like we're like (laughs) we're like we're (laughs) probably like 100 feet away away, yeah
0: we're yeah we're like 100 yards away from the action right it's like this wide 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 shot and you so but anyway i i kind of joke i don't mean to poke too much fun at the film and there are moments that do
1: sound great i think all the, the the military you know in terms of like the weaponry and the the scope of the sound design of that sort of stuff sounds quite it good. It sounds really good and and, um, and
0: and that's often a giveaway too because boy, you know, if you so this is another kind of fun thing about grammar of cinema and technology of cinema, you know, you go back to especially a decade before this and every single bullet sound is like
1: pew, pew, pew,
0: you know, it, 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 yeah. You, I mean, especially if you go back to spaghetti westerns and, yeah. and 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 you know, every single gunfire sounds like that. You know, uh, so so definitely the film does not uh, contain that kind of stuff. So you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, I think a lot of the the battles had did have good sound design, but just that that the the kind of like ignoring the spatial relationship of what we're seeing on screen and what mm-hmm. we're hearing in our ears. Now, now, maybe that was actually maybe that's like a mastering issue. You it know, could that, have been, yeah,
1: or it could have just been a challenge in terms it, of the like analog. I'm sure it was ability. a mono track. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. sure
0: it was a mono tr- optical track on the film, and so who knows what was what happened to that after the fact, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, to be fair, I can't actually blame that on the film. That could have been something to do with how they remastered the sound and presented yeah. it on the yeah. Blu-ray that I had, um, and setups can be so different that. It even could be, you know, the, the the type of amplifier I have and my speaker setup and all this kind of jazz. So yeah. I, I actually... It, does, I, it, does,
1: it is a little bit of a funny...
0: It, it, mostly it was just a funny story, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it gave me a chance to kind of share one of my reasons that I love cinema and my kind of like my little time-traveling theory yeah. there. But, yeah. yeah.
1: Just, just before we wrap up, too, I want to... Yeah. I want to add that my favorite—I um, forgot to mention this earlier—but my favorite gag in the movie, um, yeah, there's a lot and there's a few of them. Again, not not gag in terms of like slapstick, but right. my favorite joke is when the you know right after the planes all take off and we cut to this church service, <laughs> and the church service is going uh-huh. on, and the choir's singing, and everyone's like in the church, and then yeah. suddenly you hear this rumbling of of all these you know hundreds and hundreds of planes going overhead. And it's like everyone just sort of fizzles out the song and looks up and it's, it's just this really great bit. I think of, of, uh, you know, again, the movie does have, have this sense of humor in, in these little moments. So yeah, no, it does. And there's
0: like, there's, and they're kind of visual, like you just described, you know, they're these kind of like nice kind of like lighter visual moments or, Mm -hmm. or even kind of multi-layered. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's, it was a very interesting film and, Cullen, I'm, I'm really uh, glad that you shared it with me. I, I, wouldn't mm-hmm. have, I, I wouldn't have seen it probably had it not been for your bringing it to my attention here for this no, episode. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Hopefully, I can return the favor with my selection next time, which I haven't quite decided on, but I mm-hmm. will soon. No, I'm so, glad
1: that it was, I'm glad it was good. I'm glad that after all these years, it, it held up. You know,
0: me. one yeah. of these days, dude, w- you know, and we haven't done it yet. But seriously, I mean, if you, you know, f- for people who've listened to every or most of our episodes, and of course, you and I know this to be true. I mean, we have actually never done a film where either one of us, much less both of us were like, you know what, that sucked. This was yeah. a horrible movie. And we we're should gonna try talk that. For an hour, <laughs> and we're going to talk for an hour about why it sucked. We've yeah. never done that. And I'm like, I, you know, I've been halfway tempted. I've, Maybe been, our 100th halfway, episode. I've <laughs> been halfway tempted, but I'm like, that seems so mean to like yeah. purposely pick a bad film, but you really can learn a lot from a bad film. And, oh yeah. yeah, there, and it, you know, and, and there are a lot of films that a lot of people love that I think are horrible and vice versa. So it's subjective mm-hmm. and it's kind of fun to, to dissect that and to kind of learn from that. So who knows? I mean maybe, but it would be interesting Or if we picked a film that like I loved for example and you thought was garbage or vice versa. You know, that might be interesting, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to see. We'll have to yeah. see. Maybe yeah. I'll start to get like more, you know, experimental and out there in my choices. Who knows?
1: Yes. Find oh. out. Oh, well, I've Tune got some in ideas. next <laughs> time.
0: Tune in next time, viewers. But yeah. but seriously, everybody, thanks for hanging in there with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Soldiers of Cinema. Until next time, we wish you
1: adieu. Bye-bye.